This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly FA Cup special. Insert some sort of line about it not quite being the Hollywood ending for Wrexham. It works because their owners are Hollywood actors. Paul Mullen so close to winning it against Sheffield United until John Egan popped up at the end. The holders are out. Liverpool beaten by Brighton. Not a surprise. Going to need some more superlatives for Kaoru Matoma. City Arsenal is boring, but was it important? Casemiro's good, isn't he, Barry? And Heung-Min Son scores some goals that he used to score. Sunderland go close at Fulham and Leeds tidy up their dressing room. Also today, Dyche to Everton, big dunk to Forest Green, Gordon to Newcastle as the transfer window gets ready to gently close. All that plus Subarus, vasectomies and your questions. And that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry Glendenning, welcome. Hi, Max. Hello, Troy Townsend. Hi, Max. And hello, John Bruin. Hi, Max. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, a total pleasure. Um, uh, it's also a pleasure to have the other two of you, <laughs> even though you don't seem to appreciate being asked. Um, let's start at, at the race course, shall we? Uh, Wrexham 3, Sheffield United 3, agony for Wrexham Barry. It was a brilliant cup tie, wasn't it? It was. It had pretty much everything. Wrexham, I thought, were pretty unlucky. Uh, I, I feared for them after the first 10 minutes when they... They went to goal down after, what, 66 seconds or something like that. Then they lost Jason Tunnicliffe and Aaron Hayden to injury to sort of half their defence. They had to go off within 10 minutes and I thought, oh, crikey, Sheffield United might actually absolutely batter them and Ryan Reynolds will have made his dash across the Atlantic in vain. But they, they recovered from that and were quite outstanding, I thought. They were the better team. I, d- I don't think it's unfair on Sheffield United to say that but they just couldn't quite get over the line and John Egan shinned home at the far post from that late late corner. Capadocity says who would be the best choice to play the villainous John Egan in Wrexham the movie? Should they go full Irish or get a U- get a US or British actor putting on an accent? Um, Gabriel Byrne, C- Colin Farrell. Well you, you could basically take your pick from any of the dark-haired Irish Banshe- actors. Yeah. Banshees of Inishiri, <laughs> yeah. because I mean, John Egan is not quite from the West Coast, but well, he is from the West, the Southwest he is, so you know, he wouldn't look out of place. I bet he grew up with a donkey in his kitchen, like all of us. <laughs> <Irish people do. laughs> um, Troy, the 
I mean, the Wrexham project is so interesting, isn't it? And I don't know if it sort of goes in this, normally it goes in this cycle where everyone's like, oh, this is exciting. And then they all love it. And then people start to get cynical. And obviously the teams around them in the National League are annoyed because they've got loads of money and no one likes anybody with loads of money. But I still feel refreshed about about it. I mean, mainly because Ryan Reynolds and Rog McElhenney aren't a nation state with a dubious human rights record, <laughs> to my knowledge. But but like it feels really refreshing and it feels really positive. I hope you've done all those background checks, Max, just to make sure <laughs> that that is true. Um, no, it, listen, a, a Wrexham team, you know, steeped in history and steeped in FA Cup history massively. I like the story. I think the story is a really good one. It's obviously galvanised the town and kept everyone invested in, in in Wrexham as a football club. And yeah, it's it's Hollywood. It, it's great, but you've got to you've got to also win games, and and that's what they're doing. The reason why they sit at the top, and the reason why they've had this massive improvement. We can talk about money all we want, but you've got to win football matches, and they're doing that. And it would be great to see them. Great to see them in the football league if they do make it. And you know, Ryan's making these big... Ryan, like me and him are good friends. Your mate. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, making these big um, kind of, you know, 10 years' time Wrexham in the Premier League. You know, the way football goes, you just never know, do you? You just never know. But yesterday's game, second half, was just amazing. It was everything you'd like to see from an FA Cup game. You know, the non-league side coming up against the side in the championship who, you know, are on the cuffs of going back to the Premier League and going toe-to-toe with them. I've got to say, I thought Paul Mullen's performance um, was one of the best centre-forward performances you'll see. Um, he was electric. He was a live wire. He was everywhere, you know, and I just thought it was one of the... And you could tell how disappointed he was at the end of the game for not winning it. Massive disappointment, although his friends were singing a song during his interview, so he did have a little smile on his face. But yeah, the story of Wrexham is going to go on and on and on, I think, and I think it's going to be a real positive one. Football needs good news stories, doesn't it? And I think we've got it from Wrexham there. Yeah, I was asking Charlie Baker yesterday, the the comedian and radio show host, uh, or stand-in radio show host, Max. He's a Torquay fan. I asked him what his view of Wrexham was, and he... He's behind them, like he's he likes the story, and it, I think it is a good story because they're doing wonderful, cynicism-free work in the community. But he just wants them out of that league. He wants them to get promoted, <laughs> yeah. so that. And I mean, they're not the only team in that league throwing loads of money around, but they they're just the most high profile, and they're the one with who are having a documentary made about them. But um, yeah, he he doesn't have a problem with them, but he wants them promoted and gone so that other teams will get a fair crack of the whip. Doug Shulman, who is the co-coms for Cambridge United for BBC Radio Cambridge, had tweeted out Paul Mullin's stats. And the stats for Paul Mullin over the past two and a half years for Cambridge and then Wrexham are bonkers. 127 games and 94 goals. And actually what's really fascinating about him is when when we signed him, he wasn't a prolific goal scorer. Like he was a sort of okay you know, eight games, eight goals, one season, 11, another. I haven't checked these, so I, but I think they're about right. And then he suddenly just changed. Something happened and everything he hit went in for, for us. And he's carried that on. And I think, I th- suppose that's quite, it's like the, the trajectory of a footballer isn't set necessarily, John, from what happens in the first three years or five years. And I think he's, to have found that, it's an interesting step he's made two leagues down and he'll probably come back up again. But it's really interesting on a sort of human level for his career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he he's he's obviously. Uh, I think he started in both Everton and Liverpool, and obviously that that area is such a hotbed for talent. 
started making his way through Huddersfield Town. As I talked about on the pod previously, I saw the previous leg, or previous round against Coventry City. I think Mullen scored a penalty in that. But before that, he had been such a dominant player in their team in his, in his support play. The thing is, he is probably two divisions below the standard that he should be playing at. But the thing is, uh, against teams three divisions above, uh, he's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, and I suppose in this game, I think Sheffield United are under a transfer embargo, as Coventry City were actually in the previous round, whereas Wrexham have have money. We, we know they have funds. They know that they have ambition. And, you know, they're in the National League, but it, it's a false position for now. And I don't know how long the, the, the streaming uh programme is going to continue but there may be trouble ahead when they get two or three divisions above Chris says petition to make all red cards round please <laughs> hashtag cup of cup of dreams it was nice Troy to see a round red card for that off the ball whether he's swinging a miss it probably is a red isn't it by the letter of the law I heard one co-com on one of the games saying it's so great the ref is letting all the challenges go this is what we want and that's not really the laws of the game mate but you know crack on I think that was in the Walsall Leicester game but that probably is a red whatever shape of red card you want to, to give. I don't know I mean did we get a definitive angle on it did we get enough of a view of it to see it I don't know when I was when I was watching the game I didn't I didn't even notice the red to be totally honest Max the round red card until I went oh, on you Twitter didn't? later wow. and there was this big oh. debate about mm. why is there a round red card, and apparently it's just so that when the referee reaches in his pockets, he he knows what what shape the card is, and he knows that the red one is round. What what if he forgets? I say I, I'm not so sure. I, I I think it's hard to tell from the angles that I saw. There was some pulling. There was a swipe of the arm. I'm not sure if the arm. You guys might have seen a better angle than me, but I'm not sure. If there was contact, I just thought it was... No, but the contact doesn't matter, does it? Like, if I try and headbutt you and I'm just not good enough at headbutting, that is still a red card. No, I think the the contact does matter at that stage. Well, I'm sure someone's going to tell me off for this, so let's not No, 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 you can't. No, like, if you you throw a punch, it doesn't matter if you connect. Was it a punch? Was it a punch? punch. Do you know what? I'm going to say I haven't seen it enough times, (laughs) but I thought it looked like one. (laughs) So you're with me, basically. You didn't really watch it, did you? I thought he was annoyed because they're not normally given. But I was more interested in the round red card. Maybe the card should be different textures. You should have one made of metal and one made of cheese, and then you really would know which one you <laughs> I were I was going to say that for. this thing about reaching into a pocket, and I'm not sure that I'd know if it was round or 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 <laughs> rectangular if I reached in my pocket. That was, says more about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking, like, it's my level of coordination up to being a referee. I'm beginning to doubt <laughs> shapes. it. <laughs> Simple shapes with John Bruin. Um, anyway, uh, Jim says, after Wrexham, Sheffield United was a legitimate blockbuster. What are the chances that the sequel will follow the Hollywood formula and be a meek, forgettable affair <laughs> with Sheffield United winning 1-0 after Billy Sharp deflects one in off his ass? Anyway, let's go to Brighton, Liverpool. Brighton 2, Liverpool 1. Uh, the holders are out. Colin Miller, the journalist, writing, look, Brighton have lost Basuma, Cucurella, White, Trossard, Wepu, Burn, their manager, dropped Casado, and still dismantling the most expensively assembled teams in the world football. What a club. I thought it was telling Barry afterwards that Lewis Dunk was actually a bit disappointed with the performance. He was like, yeah, we, we just weren't quite at it today. Yeah, well, I mean, they absolutely battered Liverpool for last time out. Their first game with Roberto De Zerbi was a three-all draw at Anfield. So... I mean, I don't think this counts as an upset. Brighton are ahead of Liverpool on the table. They're playing much better than them this season. They're 
arguably the most well-organised club in British, if not world football. And Liverpool are in all sorts of disarray at the moment in terms of personnel on the pitch, personnel off the pitch. The club is up for sale. I, I wasn't surprised by this. I thought Brighton deserved their win. And but it, it was a they had more chances, and I mean Matoma is just another brilliant signing by them. They got him for a steal, and I'd say if they wanted to sell him before tomorrow, which they won't, they could name their price, and and someone would pay it. I I thought it was a decent performance by Brighton. I'm not sure. I think Lewis Dunk has maybe been a little hard on them, but uh, yeah, I I kind of expected them to win this game. Uh, Matoma's finish, John, was sensational, wasn't it? His dummy even fooled the cameraman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've seen uh, I've seen Brighton three times recently. Uh, and Matoma, the one thing he would have said was that sometimes his finishing can go awry, but not on this occasion. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I've seen some quite interesting things. I mean, obviously, Casado, <laughs> Casado was uh, is being kept back uh, to try and sort his head out. He's not for sale unless someone pays. Uh, how much, however much you want for him. So is he actually for sale? I don't know about that. But I've seen a few people say this. Other clubs are trying to pick off Brighton signings at the moment, as ha- has happened previously. But our clubs learning from Brighton, thinking, well, how they got to sign these players, you know, through the statistical approach that that Tony Bloom has put in at that club. If I may mention Liverpool, um, I could see why Lewis Dunk was annoyed that his team didn't play better because Liverpool actually it was reasonably level. But Liverpool are a, a bit of a shambles, aren't they? And um, I was corrected on this, actually, by a friend of mine. But I suddenly got the feeling that Liverpool were trying to, like, kick the way out of pr- trouble here. We had the foul by Fabinho on uh, Evan Ferguson, which was... I mean, to be fair to Fabinho, he instantly recognised that he, what he'd done was wrong. But he had a couple of nibbles at him. There was a foul by Andy Robertson. And it's never a good sign when a team of the quality of Liverpool or the quality of players that they've got start doing that. Now, from what I understand from the the Premier League stats will still show you that they are competing for the fair play award. But when bits when stuff like that starts happening to the team, you begin to worry. There doesn't seem a lot of spirit in that team at the moment. Jurgen Klopp seems increasingly um, depressed at his performance, at the team's performances. It was no shock that Brighton beat Liverpool and I suppose that's how far that that's how far Brighton have come up, we should say. And that's how far Liverpool have descended. Um, worrying signs if you are a Liverpool fan. Isn't that still a round red, John? That Fabinho, no matter how much he <laughs> knew that there was. An oh yeah, issue. it was. It was. It was absolutely. Yeah, Troy. Yeah, I should have said. Yeah, that is a red card all day. Round, uh, triangular, <laughs> penteg, pentagonal. You name it. A baby bell would be good, wouldn't it? Because yeah. That is... <laughs> I could, I could, I could find that in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. a baby bell. Yeah, <laughs> I think by our old friend, the letter of the law, it possibly wasn't a red. Did he use excessive force? Probably not. Did he far exceed the necessary use of force? Probably not. So while I think Fabino was fully expecting to get a red card yeah. and probably couldn't <laughs> believe his luck that he didn't, I think it technically was the correct decision. I think Ibrahim Kanate should have been sent off. I, I was going to say, Barry, that's very even-handed. 
considering that uh, Fabinho has hobbled the finest young striker your country has unearthed since Robbie Keane. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully it's not too serious. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, that because. Evan Ferguson's having a fine few weeks and it's a shame. He's... I don't know about that, Barry. A, a rape down the back of the calf. I mean, that's naughty. It was naughty. It was it was naughty. And I think you look it's at that. It's a red that for and, me. Yeah, it's a round red, definitely. I think you take away the force and everything. I wouldn't be surprised if it had been a red. I don't think anyone would have been. But I think, as I say, by the letter of the law, it probably is a yellow. Um, afterwards, Jurgen Klopp, I mean, he sounded like he'd had an absolute skinful the day before. It's got a terrible cold. But it sounded like, you know, it sounds like I sound after like three days, on the, after two days of the live show in Dublin. Um, but I wonder, Troy, if, if this is, you know, now they've just got the Champions League, basically. That's that's what's left for them. And that isn't easy to win. You shouldn't write them off. They've got a good history in that tournament. But, but does it feel like this is completely unravelling? I mean, it does, but that doesn't mean it... It can't ravel again next season. It's weird, the drop from last year. Yeah, it is. And I think he's struggling with it all, to be totally honest, as is Pep, I would say. So we'll probably talk about that. Um, I think he's struggling with the fact that his team doesn't look anything like his teams of the past. And like you say, last season, the players look demotivated. They don't look like... It didn't even look like it hurt yesterday. And I think when you're a manager and you're looking at your players and you're looking for a reaction but you know you're not getting one, you're then trying to, you're struggling to find out. And, and I said on, on one of the pods quite a while ago, has his voice diminished in the changing room? Is is our players not listening to him? Are they not acting on his his kind of, you know, his motivational tactics, etc.? Because they look very, they look very blasé. There's not one player at the moment in that team. Well, you could say young Harvey Elliott, a couple of goals in the in the FA Cup games, and of course you've got to appreciate that. But I don't think Mo Salah wants to get anywhere near the goal at the moment. And you look at some of the others and the whole energy, the whole ethos of what has brought them so much success has now gone. It's flat. And it's it's one of those things where you probably you probably need a couple of signings to shake them up, and he can't do that. Um and yes, they've had a couple of injuries, but I just wonder whether I don't know, I wonder whether his course has run. Um, or whether some of those players' courses run because they're not getting any younger, but it will take a lot of money to replace them. Troy makes a good point. In the post-match comments I, I read and, and heard, uh, it was interesting that he talked about the protection offered to Andy Robertson, but the lack of protection offered to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, that's Mo Salah. Now, OK, we can try and read things into it, but Mo Salah is, you would say, Liverpool's best, most potent player he doesn't look like he's enjoying himself on the field and it doesn't sound like him and Jurgen Klopp are seeing eye to eye on where Salah is playing. and Because we've had that thing at the start of the season remember, where Salah was playing almost you know, on the touchline, which appeared to be a tactical choice. And throughout the season, the, the, the body language has not been great. The signs are not great. Um, you've got Gakpo playing through the centre. Now, I know Salah is not necessarily a striker, but you probably play your most potent forward through the centre. But... Klopp isn't doing it. What's going on there, Barry? What you know, Brighton should be targeting this tournament, shouldn't they? I mean, their their season is just so good. They play such wonderful football, and you just feel like the way this tournament is opening up, the number of big in inverted commas sides that are dropping out, that that they could do something. Absolutely, um, and I think they probably are targeting it. But I I suspect they probably have their eye on a a top four spot as well. Them and Newcastle could 
very you know there's a very good chance they'll shake up the established hierarchy this season and one or both of them could finish in the top four um but certainly yeah I, I don't see any indication that they're not targeting the FA Cup. You know, they fielded a pretty full-strength team, if not a full-strength team. And um, we know how good they are, so absolutely they could go all the way. Just a note on that Lewis Dunk goal. Uh, Tarek Namti, you know, did a knee slide. Can you knee slide an assist? Does that feels? It obviously was his strike, but it doesn't feel like once it's hit Lewis Dunk, I don't think you can, you know, knee slide. It seemed to me very much like a situation, you know, where two people join hands to cross the finish line in a marathon. Mm. And the Brownlee brothers. Yeah. Which, <laughs> as far as I know, is is not allowed in marathons and a possible oh, disqualification. But. They seem to acknowledge that each had played a crucial role in the goal. And yeah. I think as soon as the ball went in, Lewis Dunk grabbed Lamptey's hand as if to say, well, I'm <laughs> I'm having it, but yeah, definitely <laughs> you had a lot to do with it. So let, let's knee slide together. I mean, oh. I, 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 if I was a manager, I would fine any player who did a celebratory <laughs> knee slide because all I can think about is ligaments, ligaments, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lamptey's effort was going wide, though, wasn't it? It was. Well, it might have been hitting the woodwork. So is that on target or not? We don't know, Troy. <laughs> it obviously. was definitely um, not hitting the woodwork, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I know we've spoken a lot, of, a lot about the game, but I'm not sure we've given enough credit for Matomo's strike. Uh, which was very, very similar to Welbeck's strike in a 3-0 win, by the way. If you play both of them together, they're very, very similar. But his composure at that time of the game, like this lad, this lad as long as nothing happens, and obviously we can never foresee the future, but wow, what a, what a talent. What an absolute talent. And he caused, not the first person to do it, he caused Trent Alexander a lot of problems, didn't he? Which led to him being taken off and... He didn't look best pleased. And there's, there's just, I think, let's focus on the positives. And, and, and Brighton were amazing. And the way I looked at it was that Lewis Dunk, when he was being interviewed at the end of the game, Lewis Dunk said, oh, yeah, when we beat them last time, I think it was about 4-1, wasn't it? And you think to yourself, you're like Lew, Lew, Dunk talking confidently about smashing Liverpool when actually it was 3-0. Um, but, yeah, just said everything I needed to know about where Brighton are going and, and where Liverpool are this season. One interesting thing with Caicedo, right, who's gone on to social media to say, look, thanks Tony Bloom you've been lovely I love Brighton you're all great but you understand why I should go and he's got an interesting back he's got an interesting backstory but if you look at Cucurella and Basuma it doesn't it doesn't necessarily John it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good at the next place does it I understand why he wants to go right it's a short career it's a great he could get a league title this season right no, no I mean he's he's only 21 but yeah I mean presumably you, you move to the Premier League to a club like Brighton and the pathway is set clear. You join this club, soon enough you do well enough, then you can move to a bigger Premier League club. That opportunity comes up, then the player is going to want to take that opportunity as quickly as possible. That's understandable. The only thing is, though, that barring accident, at the end of the season, Casado could probably choose which club he went to. Uh, there will be a bidding war. Brighton aren't going to sell him too cheap, obviously. And the other thing is, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to keep playing for this Brighton team at the moment. Him and McAllister together, absolutely brilliant together when you watch them play. Uh, but obviously, you know, this time next season, neither of them will be playing for Brighton. And we, you know, we bring into question 
if Brighton can find the same quality of players again. The sign so far is that they can. They've been so good at doing this. Uh, their efficiency level on it is higher than maybe, let's say, Southampton before was the previous model, wasn't it? But yeah, this is the thing with the transfer market. Uh, we'll get on to Anthony Gordon later, I'm sure. When a player's head's turned, I often have sympathy for the player because they can obviously see the dollar signs flash in front of their eyes and think, you know, this could secure my future, my family's future. And it's it's the cruelty, I suppose, of the transfer market is that uh, sometimes players don't get the, what, what they want, but eventually Casado will be going to a bigger club. It's just whether it's now or later. Casado has just changed his representation, so he doesn't seem to have been particularly well advised by his new agent <laughs> going going toe to toe against uh, Tony, Bloom. Tony Bloom, the Brighton owner. There's only going to be one winner of that one, but I suppose he could. You know, he was playing with Enoch Mwepo a few months ago, and Enoch yeah. Mwepo's had to retire from football because they found some heart condition he had, and. That just shows you how, uh, what's the word? Um, precarious. Precarious life as a professional athlete can be. It can end in an instant. Yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, after you scored that header against Beaver, everyone thought, and then just the precarious nature of elite sport, and it never happened. Anyway, look, that'll do for part one. Part two will do the rest of the FA Cup games. Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Uh, welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, let's do City Arsenal, then City won Arsenal nil. I saw Tim Stillman, Troy, uh, the Arsenal um, broadcaster journalist, tweeting, like, this is almost perfect result for Arsenal. City played a full-strength team. Arsenal didn't. Arsenal are out of the cup, but they didn't get embarrassed. They can. That's one less thing to worry about because it's hard to win the Premier League and they need to focus on that. Yeah, I, I get that argument, but it's, it's tough going out of a cup competition that... If you get past probably the the biggest hurdle that you may have, that you have an opportunity to, you know, to go all the way. And listen, I think Arsenal did well considering their changes. I think they dominated the game. We'll talk about City in a while. Um, then City came out and dominated and then City scored and then Arsenal came back and dominated and probably should have scored and equalised. Last thing they would have wanted. I think Arsenal's objective was to go 1-0 up. But the last thing they would have wanted would have been a replay, that's for sure. And I think that was also in their minds. But you can tell because there was there were some arguments going on, wasn't there? Odegaard, who had come on late, was not best pleased with a couple of his teammates, the way the goal went in. So that shows 
how the maturity of that football team has, has risen um, this season. But I, I, if I'm Arteta, I still see it as a defeat. Yes, he made the six changes, but they were very, very competitive and probably deserved something out of the game. And, and yes, you're going for the title, but these are competitions that you want to win because if you don't win the title, you've got nothing to fall back on. And I'm not preempting that they're going to win the title yet. There's a long way to go. But I think staying in a competition like the FA Cup until the, the last stages or maybe the final is still a massive pull. And um, I think they'll be disappointed for that defeat. Hmm. I mean, I think you're right. Arteta will view it as a defeat because it was a defeat. <laughs> they lost. <laughs> it, was a, it was a defeat. Um, and you actually made it, Troy, sound like a much better game in that two minutes than are you sort of like going this way and that way and domination. I thought, John, this was absolutely turgid. I thought it was an awful game of football. And I was like, the Premier League games have got to be better than this. Yeah, it it, it was poor, wasn't it? I'm not even sure Manchester City were that interested in it either. Um, it, it was, you know, and Manchester City have got their problems anyway in the, in the Premier League. And um, uh, I, I suppose the only thing is, and I think Troy makes a decent point, which is that, if, if Arsenal prevailed in this competition, then those younger uh, reserve players get a run out and they provide support maybe later in the Premier League season, say if the first team breaks down. You look at the, the best teams that have won the Premier League, a lot of them have gone far in other competitions. It's just that competitive spirit that keeps you going. I, I, I don't think you can just turn in an FA Cup game. I don't think it's the best result to lose a, an FA Cup game like that to, to your main rival. I, I, I don't know, and, but I'd say it was just such a just a nothing game, though. I, I, I'm, I, I'm actually. You've asked me about it, and I'm sat in the seat where I watched it. I watched the entire ninety minutes, and I'm, I'll, I'll admit, I remember basically nothing about this game. And I'm not sure I wasn't even drinking. It was just, it was just <laughs> nothing. Well, I, I watched the entire ninety minutes as well, and was pretty bored. I was drinking, and. <laughs> uh, then I watched the highlights package this morning just to refresh my memory because Friday seems so long ago uh, and a many, many matches ago. And it's, it's a great little highlights package, but a very boring game. That's where I took my summary from, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'd be honest, I couldn't disagree more with, with Troy and John. I don't think Arsenal give two hoots about going out of the cup. I'd say they're probably happy. Plenty of positives for them to take from the game. Leandro Trosser looked to the Arsenal manner born. He had a very good game. They they left out key players from the, the starting lineup. Odegaard, Zinchenko, Saliba, Martinelli, Ramsdale still gave a very good account of themselves. Uh, I think there's loads of positives for them to take. And will they be bothered about going out of the cup? I don't think so. And, and Thomas Partey's one isn't that injured, which I think, you know, they will, that is a, you know... Um, he is really key to them, and that's why they want Caicedo, isn't it? Because El Nenny's injured as well. So, uh, on the pitch, that is good news for them. Let's go to Old Trafford. Man United beating Reading three-one. Um, John is Casemiro the signing of the season? I mean, he's, he's sort of ludicrous. This player that we—I mean, we've talked about it before, but sort of, you know, the shackles of Real Madrid are gone, and now he can—he can be who he really wants to be. The answer is yes. Uh, possibly uh, there is a, an element of bias in that, but he's the best signing Manchester United have made, I don't know, since that Robin Van Persie or something like that. I mean, he, he has he has been absolutely excellent. He has transformed the team. The difference in the team when he plays, okay, it's Reading. 
uh, uh, but um, you know, he's an attacking player. He he can do it all, and we didn't know this. But you know, you can understand why in a team with Luka Modric, probably the best midfielder of, of his generation, and uh, Tony Cruz, you know, a, a player who has a significant claim to that as well. You can understand why he was given a, a slightly different role. But at Manchester United, he has a bit more freedom while also allowing players around him a bit more freedom. Um, th- him and Christian Eriksen is a great partnership. But of course, thanks to Andy Carroll, uh, we we may have a few worries about that partnership continuing. Andy Carroll, what an interesting performance that was from him. <laughs> Lloyd, Lloyd says, Lloyd says, do you think it's time we acknowledge Andy Carroll's best years might be behind him? I mean, he's... <laughs> His, his first challenge reminded me of that Boris Johnson one, you know, in, the, in some charity game. And the second one, like, he, he took off, he was so late for the second one. Like, he started sliding about half an hour before. It reminded me of a, of a, a game I was playing where one of my teammates, Ash, had enough time to apologise to the player he was fouling before, before, before he'd made contact with the player. He took off and he was like, oh, shit, I'm sorry, and then clattered him. And, and if memory served, Carroll should have already yes. been gone by then because I think he had at least three yellow card challenges. Uh, if not what was more, it, what was he trying to prove? Anyway, I mean, it was like, yeah, we. we know. <laughs> it was his purpose, John. That's, I think, that's why I started the game, John. It was his purpose to make sure that he was going to take as many out as possible and then get <laughs> like the ultimate man. red. the governor has told him, you know, go out and. <laughs> I had a computer game once where you could select Hatchet Man for one of your players to just go and foul the opposition. Also, Andy, Andy Carroll looked. Like genuinely annoyed that he'd been sent off as well, didn't he? That I mean, that is a performance. Like it was like he was. It's, it's like a, like an episode of Quantum Leap, and he'd been. And it's like, you, can you be the seventies hatchet <laughs> man in a game in twenty twenty three against Manchester United? And he just played like you know Mickey Droy or Ron Chopper Harris or something, and just went out there. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are consequences, of course, and. Amazing, amazing. Dave says, uh, Max, is Valt Veghorst the best in the world at volleying the ball back to the thrower? As we know, this is the hardest skill in world football. He is good at it, and it is the hardest skill in football. And after you mentioned, Barry, that um, uh, he looks a little bit like the, the chap from Happy Valley, Ad says, uh, my fiance slept with the bad guy from Happy Valley when they were both teens. Do I need to watch out when Vout's about... <laughs> <laughs> he says uh, let's go to Deepdale Preston Nil Spurs 3 Spurs first half bad second half good um, but it was just really nice to see Hyung Min Sun I know it's only Preston but Sun Barry scoring goals that, that we sort of recall him scoring last season when he was good yeah I mean this was a pretty diabolical game as well and Spurs were hugely unimpressive uh, particularly in the first half when a very commendably compact and well-organised Preston defence kept them out and they were just tippy-tapping the ball over and back across the sort of edge of the final third and looked utterly bereft of ideas to to try and find a way to unpick the defence of a quite bog-standard championship side. And it did take those moments of magic for Son to from Son to put the game beyond Preston. 
he looked pleased with himself. I suppose we only time will tell whether this is another false stone because he he scored the hat trick against was it Leicester in September and we all thought that was going to signal a return to form and it hasn't uh, or it didn't um, so maybe this will um, but yeah when when you see Spurs just reduced to pot shots from distance from Son and Kulusevski trying to to break down Preston I, I, I was hugely unimpressed with this performance even though they won quite comfortably in the end Max can I just say that Barry's use of diabolical <laughs> deserves its own soundtrack the way that he just pops it in there is it, it, it's all so dramatic it, it needs music uh, it definitely Lee, needs music uh, Lee sure. if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> another one for you uh, I'll stick with you Barry for Fulham 1 Sunderland 1 because you know you are a Sunderland fan 6,000 fans there they had a nice day out Jack Clark getting the opening goal could have won it could have lost it with my review of that game yeah I mean a, a load of my mates um from the pub went to this game for a, a jolly boys outing and I, I was gutted I couldn't go because I, I had to work but I was hugely impressed with Sunderland's performance and I've said before and I've heard Wilson say it as well that we're not particularly keen on Sunderland you know they're threatening to make the playoffs uh, and we're, but we're not particularly keen on seeing them promoted because it might be too soon but any time I've seen them this season they've been really really good and Tony Mowbray is building something special there with a, a very young team in, incredibly young in in the case of 15 year old emerging star Chris Rigg who thought he'd scored the winner in this game but had his, his goal ruled out for an offside in the build-up but yeah that, that, I'm hugely impressed with this performance and and I, I think Sunderland are they're a really good team and Tony Mowbray seems to have a firm idea of what he's doing and this was arguably well I suppose Wrexham, the Wrexham Sheffield United game was probably better, but this was one of the the games of the round. It was hugely entertaining. Yeah, Tom Kenny took his goal brilliantly as well. It was lovely composure. Uh, Alpaca Freeway says when Chris Rigg was born, Umbrella by Rihanna was number one in the UK. Heavyweight champion of the world by Reverend and the Makers peaked on the charts at number eight. How do we stop footballers from getting younger? It is a question <laughs> I increasingly agree with. I'm I'm quite impressed that I remember that. I think that's about the. Umbrella might be the last number one that I remember. So beyond that, yeah, I think we're in trouble. I was going to say about Tony Mowbray. There's a guy who def- defines the word craggy. Yeah, look at that. You know, there, there's a man that you could see. Uh, it looks as if uh, in a shipyard in the 1920s, <laughs> he was the guy. You know, a- arranging the uh, the workers. I mean, what. Tony Mowbray, every club he's been at, I think, just about, uh, and I'm sure someone will correct me, the fans have loved this style of play that he puts into the club. Uh, he's an old-style manager. Um, he's an, you know, he's a quite eccentric guy, but um, he seems to have been ideal for what Sunderland wants to do, which with young players playing exciting football. I saw a bit of this game. I agree with Barry. Sunderland played very, very well. Uh, Manchester United connection, Ahmed Diallo. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very, very talented player. Perhaps there's something of the mitoma in the fact that his goals probably need to be spectacular rather than the, the uh, pr- uh, precision finishing. But yeah, he, he's a real quality player and you know, one to get excited about. But yeah, uh, all credit to, to Tony Mowbray. Uh, credit, I think, to our friend Robin Cowan for crowbarring in a hacked-off joke when Hugh Grant 
came into camera, but it was quite, I don't think quite landed, but I enjoyed it all the same. Um, <laughs> uh, Leeds won 3-1 at Accrington. Jack Harrison scored a belter. Bamford's assist was p- possibly the moment of the round. I love Patrick Bamford uh, so much. And the Leeds fans had a great time. Fraser says, is uh, Coach Marsh leaving the Accrington locker room in a spotless condition to great acclaim, reflective of how we've, we're now far too easily impressed by acts that should be the bare minimum, or was it merely a nice gesture? What is it, Troy? You're sort of in football. What is it about just <laughs> sort of tidying up that makes everyone go <laughs> lose their minds? I, I I don't know. To be totally honest, I mean, in the, in the past, when you took a, a a picture of a change room, you'd see obviously the dirty socks, the tape, and all bottles of of whatever they're drinking and and whatever else um, left in the change room. So. Listen, as a mark of respect, particularly for clubs that are lower down the leagues, I think it's nice that uh, a Premier League club who, you know, you've got to remember the Premier League players and, and staff, or what, they always get a bashing no matter what because they're the Premier League. And I just think it's a nice touch. I think it's a nice touch to actually do that. And obviously because... It's a really nice touch. You don't take a photo of it. Do you? Well, you know, I don't take remember a photo. He's trying to I boost... cleaned the high chair at Wildlife Cafe <laughs> yesterday. I didn't go and tell them yes, I cleaned but Matt, the high chair. Remember I that Marsh left it where it was. is trying to boost his LinkedIn followers. So he posted Possibly. it on LinkedIn yeah. um, to make sure that he boosted his followers and said how, yeah. you know, that is a mark of respect. So, yeah. Which player done marigolds? That's the question. I, I want to know. Like who, who, who do you think's the best sweeper upper in the Leeds United team? Is it Patrick Bamford again? You reckon he's got a very delicate? Could be. Yeah, Could be it's, got, it's got to be. It's Bamford, isn't it? Yeah. Could be Bamford. Jack says, seeing as a Mister Blobby costume was sold on eBay for more than Leeds paid for Kaiser Chiefs uh, for Lucas Radderby. Uh, which of the two did the panel feel had the bigger effect on modern? <laughs> Modern culture, uh, sixty-two thousand uh, pounds from Blobby, Blobby, Blobby. I mean, to be fair to Mister Blobby, Baz, the Garth Crooks episode. I mean, it, I don't know how well it's aged, but it was really sensational television. So uh, you know, I'm with I Blobby. Didn't, didn't see it, I'm afraid. Wow, well, I'd, I'd go on YouTube, uh, <laughs> okay. but, but you know, I haven't watched it. No, sorry, I missed the opportunity during the clean-up chat to, to point out once again that. I always clean. Uh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. back backstage at football weekly live shows. I always clean up the dressing room. And get no thanks for it. And and I often I often get quizzical looks as of why are you doing that? You want to take pictures of it, Barry? Put it on yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 Uh, other stuff. Leicester one one. They look Walsall. Uh, Ian Acho with another uh, FA Cup goal. Um, Luton two. Grimsby two was quite fun. Uh, Sprinkler started after ten seconds. The players are running around, getting soaked, soaking wet. Uh, Jordan Clark's got a lovely goal for Luton, and uh, Grimsby arrives about five seconds later. And one Luton player, Luke Berry, used to play for Cambridge, he tried to volley right at the end, and then just fell into the sort of almost like he fell down a hole, wasn't it? He went over the board and just disappeared, which was nice. Uh, nice to see Mick McCarthy uh, taking over at Blackpool. Uh, Willie Caballero must be a hundred, mustn't he? And, uh, and the other thing, the only other point I had was the camera angle at Ashton Gate is insane. It's like it's being filmed from space. It's so high up, <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. It's like a yeah, it's a it's a BBC computer game. Um, anyway, they beat West Brom. I have no any other thoughts on the FA Cup, or should we move on? We shall move on. Uh, the draw is on the one show. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> on Monday night. Um, uh, so that'll be nice. Anyway, uh, good luck if your team is still in it. I hope you get the draw you want. That'll do for part two. We'll do transfer gossip and any other business in part three.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. TTJ says, can we spare a thought for the earthworms at Finch Farm? Yeah, uh, Sean Dyche hasn't got the job yet at Everton, but we all presume he will get it. He might get it as soon as we finish recording. Um, Barry, a wise choice? Uh, I think it's probably the wisest choice, but this is Everton, so who knows what might happen. Sean Dyche has a reputation. I think he possibly doesn't deserve, and I think... As much as I would love to have seen Marcelo Bielsa take the job, the fact that he travelled all the way from Argentina just to offer to take charge of the under-21s for six months <laughs> and then uh, take over the, the team once they'd been relegated was was hugely entertaining. But, yeah, I, I'm going to say Daesh is probably the the best decision they could make at the moment if... Given the the list of candidates we've seen, they were going to choose from. Look, I mean, Terry McAllister tweeted, you know, look, gentleman reminder: Sean Dyche once played four four two with players numbered one to eleven, all in the correct yeah. positions, <laughs> including four and eight centre mid and five and six centre backs, as it should be. At full time, he should have laid his coach shirt and tie in the centre circle and retired like the Undertaker. His work complete. But but you know, he's. I don't know what you think, John. I think it is. I think Barry's right. It is the it is the most sensible decision, and and it, you it, you feel much more confident that Everton will survive now. I'm not sure I'm confident they'll survive, but I, I do think that they needed a Sam Allardyce style manager, uh, and they've already had Sam Allardyce, it being Everton. So the closest to that now, possibly the new Allardyce, we've not seen him move from club to club, is Sean Dyche. I do wonder that. I mean, there are a few players that he's worked with. There are at there are Everton. I mean, James Tarkovsky, mm. Team Keane, Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky yeah. Dwight McNeil, yeah, yeah. Players that players that he worked with and and who will know how how he works. That that's well, actually, that could be a good thing or that could be a bad thing. There might you know certain players have had enough of a manager and have moved to another club and then a refresh. And I think Tarkovsky played very well at the start of this season. Dwight McNeil has not been as good as he was at Burnley. So, yeah, we, we wait to see what happens. But when you look at the list of candidates for the job, uh, I agree with Barry, he seemed the, the best one for it. The Bielsa thing was crazy even before he decided that he was going to coach the youth team or whatever it was. Dice has has waited for his chance. And you have to say also, he's made sure that he we've been aware that he's available because... I don't think I've seen uh, a YouTube channel or a, a TV sh- program without Sean Dyche on it for some time. So it'll be good to have him back in the Premier League. Did he do Lego Masters? He's just doing absolutely everything, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely yeah. Spring watch. Um, look, <laughs> he won't have Anthony Gordon, uh, who has signed for Newcastle. Uh, could be worth £45 million. I think the interesting thing here, Troy, is that Newcastle put £40 million down in sort of cash. And, and transfers do not happen like that normally. You know, you hear the figure and then it's, you know, 
amortized over 3,000 years or whatever, you know. But this is cash point, 40 million, bang, which is a, a statement of an intent. It feels slightly off track from what Newcastle have been doing, even though they've had all this money. It's, he is unproven. He's clearly talented. But it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Well, it's not a lot of money for Newcastle. It's a lot of money for a, a lad who's still in his early years. Um, although, you know, you were, if the rumours are right, Chelsea were bidding 60 mil in the summer. So if that was the case, then maybe Everton should have sold then because um, he's not been the same lad that was playing last season. That's for sure. Um, I think there was a little fallout with Frank Lampard um, because Frank played him every minute of every game almost and then all of a sudden was just leaving him on the bench. So his head was turned a little bit. He then had the thing with the fans chasing him down the road, didn't he, after the Southampton game, which may have nailed it for him. There was a, a, a lovely video yesterday sent to all the Everton fans. And to be honest, the tweet that I saw is that Everton fans can't be asked the way that he you know, hadn't turned up for three, three days, although I think one of those days was scheduled. But uh, listen, everything about it wasn't right. But Newcastle were getting a talent. And if they can, if Eddie Howe, who's, who's obviously like, likes young talent in the way that he can progress them and bring them through and help them perform at a better level, um, 40, 40 mil plus five is, is not much, to be totally honest. Um, there's my first one for the day. And... <laughs> Forever, and they need the funds, and they probably said, "Look, if you put that down, um, we we need to use it." So, if Sean is the guy, which really seems so, but uh, they need the funds to at least bring in a couple of signings because the window is only a couple of days away, and that might be might be why they're holding Dyke back a little bit. They'd like to announce a player to go with it. They thought they had one last week, and Dan Juma, um, who then scarped as quick as possible down to. Um, down to Spurs so the whole thing will be interesting I don't know if we can judge Sean at the moment he's obviously he's not been out the game long dice story um out the game long but is he the right fit only time will tell but what what he will get he'll get the support and backing of the, the, the fans um and hopefully people stay out of his business to allow him to manage the team in the right way um to help them stay up because they're in a very precarious situation at the moment and the other thing he'll get is it launched. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Johnny says, are you all excited to see just how Everton will waste the Gordon money fully expecting a 40 million bid for Besiktas attacker Deli Alley? <laughs> yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see who Dyche goes for. Um, James Madison, Newcastle apparently in for him. Chelsea have signed uh, 19-year-old French right-back Malo Gusto from Lyon for 35 million euros. Does he not just describe Chelsea's attitude to the transfer market with gusto yeah i mean yeah well yeah mallow gusto translates as bad taste as well which is quite it's quite a cool name isn't it it's quite, it's quite chelsea yeah yeah possibly anyway he's signed until summer 2030 i mean if 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 he ends up being a flop he could go full winston bogart and just sit it out <laughs> well they all could him and mudrick and all of them i mean well, that's they the all risk, could right? yeah winston bogart used to live in amsterdam and commute to London. He used to get on the early, you know, red-eye flight. I mean, Gusto could presumably do that with a private jet. Paul says, has there ever been a shite Brazilian winger? Asking as an anxious Leicester fan, surrounded by jubilant Leicester fans, because we've signed a Brazilian winger. I've trusted no one since George Weah's cousin. Um, yeah, it's a, a chap called uh, Tete. Uh, yes, John? Well, the story was that it was hoped that his signing would free up James Madison. Now... I think that's free up in the team rather than free up to lose. Yeah. 
to, to Newcastle. <laughs> um, uh, John Joe Shelby to Forest. Has that happened? I mean, Forest do need to make a signing. I'm only kidding, Forest fans. Understand why. <laughs> Don't yell at me. <laughs> Michael says, who would be less suited to a vegan club, Duncan Ferguson or Mark Langdon? Um, yeah, appointed Forest Green Rovers manager. <laughs> His unveiling video was brilliant. Our mate Noz, uh, bearded genius, saying, I love everything about this video. Big Dunk trying his very best, looking so awkward. Dale Vince's scarf that looks like a sort of python shoving burgers into shot for no reason. Big Dunk trying to ignore the scarf. Um, you know, him being asked about climate change and him saying, look, the earth is warming up, isn't it? We've all got to do our bit. It was a tremendous video uh, uh, with Dale Vince, of course. Um, they lost 2-1 at the weekend. They were 1-0 up away at Shrewsbury and conceded in the 94th and 98th minute. And they are bottom of League One, I think. I saw, I saw, I saw the thing saying, Duncan saying that he hadn't slept for four days because of the lead up to it. And then, and I just thought, what would Duncan Ferguson be like having not slept? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. But when they, if they turn it around, he'll be hugging the ball boys, won't he? And throwing them in the air. Uh, Mark says, hey, Barry, um, uh, this is regards window cleaning that we got onto and uh, uh, how much you're paying. Eight fifty a month for window cleaning here up north. That's for a three-bed semi with a conservatory. Uh, you're being ripped off there in that London, he uh, says. And Daniel's, am, yeah. yeah, Daniel says, my window cleaner comes around every other week on a Wednesday and charges me £7 a time via a note through the door. We have no means of contacting him to tell him to stop cleaning our windows. It's ridiculous how often he cleans them. Any support would be appreciated. I don't know, phone HMRC. I think that's the only way you're going to stop that, isn't it? <laughs> you, live, you could... You could could leave him a note, I suspect. <laughs> anyway, Steve says, uh, uh, nice to see my vasectomy while listening to Max and Barry. Our Football Weekly's caught on. Trendsetter, he said. Adam says, uh, morning, gang. A rather odd niche you're developing here. But on Boxing Day 2017, I listened to the Christmas special while being circumcised. Uh, you're a very calming distraction during uh, the procedure, uh, which has scarred me in many ways. Uh, fast forward four years, two kids and a pandemic later, I then listened to the uh, Easter 2022 while having a vasectomy. Hopefully don't need another medical procedure around my gentleman's agreement. But if I do, I'll be sure to get you involved. Keep up the good work. Baz, you had me punching the air during your moon under the water pod. You are truly a man of the people. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Ollie says, I found it funny on the last pod, Max, that before bin day, you would use the football season to mock the passing of years rather than your actual birthday. <laughs> Uh, Reese says, existential, existential crisis regarding bin day. We live for these levels of fatherhood mortality. Uh, yeah, a couple more just on the... Uh, Gulliver says, where's Max's Subaru? A lot of people asking about the Subaru. JK says, does anyone want to buy a Subaru in South Melbourne? Quick sale needed, cash preferred. Thank you. Yeah, still no sign of the car. Don't worry, I will keep you updated. Uh, and Andy says, just catching up with yesterday's pod, Barry just threw out an incident with schnapps that was so bad he didn't want to talk about it. Considering he was happy to talk about the Munich incident, <laughs> what on God's earth could have been so bad? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. One thing I do briefly I want, want to talk about. I want to hear about it. Yes, one thing I briefly want to talk about is just as an addendum to uh, Aberdeen's defeat at the hands of Darville in the Scottish Cup, Darville from the sixth year, this coming on the back of a 5-0 league defeat to Hearts. So Aberdeen followed up their defeat to, to Darville with a 6-0 defeat away at Hibs. Uh, and uh, their manager, Jim Goodwin, um, was more or less sacked at the final whistle. And there's quite a poignant 
scene I saw on Twitter where uh, I think I think it was the Hibs players doing their warm down after you know the the unused subs doing their warm down and Godwin just walking across the pitch with a man bag over oh, his no. shoulder <laughs> oh, no. and then he climbs over an advertising hoarding and makes his way out of the ground. It was. It was absolutely tragic. <laughs> so um, our best wishes go to Jim. Yeah, good luck, Jim. Um, and that'll do for today. Uh, thanks, John. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Troy. Always a pleasure, Max. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. You're welcome. Uh, Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Daniel Stevens. We'll be back on Wednesday. This is The Guardian.